listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Well, good morning. I hope you're glad to be here. We're glad you are here. All good things have to come to an end, right? At least that's what they say. I hope our study in the book of Ephesians has been a good thing, but today it comes to its conclusion. It began 27 weeks ago on March the 8th. We were in our study for two weeks, and then we went virtual for two months. Eight weeks we were online only, and here we are today. You know, we've been through some craziness just like everybody else has, and we're still kind of going through it even as we're back together. Many of us are back here, but uh, we're just going to keep trudging forward, you know, regardless of what sicknesses are are present in our world, regardless of what uh, folks are uh, in power, in electoral offices. We just, you know, we're just going to keep going because our our mission remains the same, representing Christ, reaching and teaching, regardless of what's going on in the world. We are to carry on what Christ has called us to do, and we intend to do that. For a bird's eye view, for some of you who may not have been with us through our study of the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus that he planted there while under Roman imprisonment. He wrote this letter of encouragement to the believers there in the city of Ephesus. In chapter 1, we learn that we have been chosen by God. We've been redeemed by Christ. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And by that, we've been blessed and given everything we need. In order to accomplish all that God has called us to be and to do, we simply have to access it through obedience and surrender. Chapter number 2, we learn that while we were once dead in our sins, we've been made alive together in Christ. We've been saved by God's grace alone, not any merit that we bring to the table, just simply God's grace through faith in Jesus, His death and resurrection Alone. We also learn that we are a part of a brand new organism called the church, made up of both Jew and Gentile, black and white, male and female, all ethnicities, all backgrounds, all, all issues. We're one together if by faith in Christ we have come into the family and been adopted, born, and sealed by the Spirit. We're a brand new entity known as the church. Chapter number three, we learn that we are partakers of that mystery that's been hidden throughout the generations, but has been made visible to us, those of us who are by grace saved through faith. We learned that we are in, that that not only are we to live together as as, uh, followers of Christ in ourselves, but then united together when in chapter number four we begin to see that, that this that we are is supposed to be lived out. It's, it's supposed to be walked out, Paul will use several times. We've been called to walk out our faith in a manner worthy of our calling. First in chapter number four, in unity. No division between us. Where division exists, then God's design has broken down. 
We've learned in chapter 4 that we're to walk in partnership, building one another up through the gifts that God has given us, some to teach and to preach and evangelize. But we're all given gifts in order to build up the body for the work of the ministry, which we know is simply reaching and teaching and reaching and teaching for God's glory as we wait His return. In chapter 4, we learn that we're to walk out this faith, walk out this reality of who we are in Christ in holiness. It's about putting off the old man that is dead and putting on the new man with all that is wrapped up in the life of Christ being lived out in us. At every turn, we need to be putting off what we used to be and putting on who we are in Christ. In chapter 5, we learn that we're to walk this life out in a manner worthy of our calling by walking and living in love imitating God's forgiving love, not finding anything that is unforgivable, but walking with that gracious forgiveness and imitating the love of Christ, which is sacrificial, holding nothing back and going to our end for one another, seeing through the lens of God's love. We learn in chapter 5 that we're also to walk in submission to the Holy Spirit, When we do, allowing Him to control our life, we are then filled with the Holy Spirit. He leading us in the way that we are to go. uh, Bringing about decisions instead of how we would think them through, we allow God to come to those conclusions. And we move on the basis of His work in us, being filled and directed and led by the Holy Spirit. And then we begin learning in chapter 5 how to put this unity and partnership and holiness, love and and, and, and this... uh, This idea of being filled by the Spirit in our relationships. How we're to put this to work. How it is expressed. First, Paul says as wives to husbands, submitting to the husbands. Not because he deserves it. Because ultimately, he's just as broken as she is. But trusting God and submitting to Him as an expression of my complete dependence on God. And then the husband to the wives saying, Well, I've asked her to submit to you. Now I want you to love her like Christ loves His church. And gives Himself fully and completely for her. For wives saying, even if he doesn't love you like Christ, submit to him. For husbands, even if she doesn't submit, love her like Jesus to the end, expressing these realities of who we are as uh, just a a normal way of living. Children to parents, children to obey their parents and, and do what they've been called to do as an expression of obedience to the God who has called them and saved them. Parents to children as we lead them, we're to lead them as, as a, a bringing them under the teaching of God's word and leading them to Christ and not leading them to anger and frustration but rather carrying them along and raising them toward this understanding of who they are or possibly who they could be if they've not yet confess Christ as Savior. Employees to employers submitting and obeying even when they don't get it, even when they're wrong unless they're asking you to violate your God-given life before Him in holiness. You're to obey them as an expression of your love and surrender to God. Employees or employers to employees, you're to lead them and you're to treat them not as subordinates but as equals, as people of which that you find yourself on that same needing basis but lead them with grace as God leads us. And then in chapter number 6, we learn that we are to stand against an enemy 
who's trying to bring all of that to an end in our life, trying to get us distracted at every turn, but we can stand against him with the armor that God has provided, and we can prayerfully depend on him as we do. And then we come to verse number 21, where Paul begins to bring his letter to a close. He begins to clue it with a benediction as so, of sorts, but with some personal, uh, personal words to them before he gets to that. Let's just read, if we can, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 through 24. If you have your Bibles, you turn, or if you've got it online or through our app, all kinds of ways to watch and hear. Paul says, So that you may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. The first thing that Paul says as he concludes this letter is a personal remark to these believers, giving them an idea of, of what they are to expect from the one who is delivering this particular letter. His name is Tychicus. He's a, a citizen of Asia, which would have been the, the far western side of what is modern-day Turkey. It's where the city of Ephesus actually is located. Tychicus joined Paul as he was on his third missionary journey. Uh, a riot had started, actually, in Ephesus, and, and Paul had to leave the city of Ephesus. The problem was is that more people were being saved than were buying the idols of the silversmiths, and the silversmiths' union got upset and started a riot because their profits were being dwindling. And so they had to leave the city because God was doing such a great work there, and they forced them out. Tychicus, along with others, joined Paul in Acts chapter number 20. We learn that he delivered at least four of Paul's letters. This one to the Ephesians. We know that he delivered the letter to the Colossians because what he is saying about the man in this letter, he says almost verbatim in Colossians. So we know he delivered Paul's letter to Ephesus and to Colossae. We know that Tychicus delivered Paul's letter to the pastor Titus in Crete. And we know that Tychicus took the letter that Paul wrote while in his second imprisonment to Timothy, who was the pastor at Ephesus, because he's named in all four of those particular letters. We also think that it's probable that Tychicus took Philemon to him as well because most Bible scholars believe that Philemon was the, either the pastor or the home leader of the church in Colossae. And since all four of those were written at the time, they believed that Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon were delivered by this same individual. Paul identifies Tychicus as a great teammate. I, I would venture to say he would be called an invaluable teammate. You know, Paul's, Paul's ministry was not a lone wolf organization. Paul always had traveling companions with him. 
He needed them. He identified them very frequently and, and, and wanted folks to know how much he relied on the brothers and the sisters who were with him in this particular venture. And so we know that Tychicus was invaluable to the ministry of Paul. You realize that it takes all of us together to accomplish God's call on the body? You see, I can't do all of this by myself. Even though in, in, in tradition in this country, we've often thought about the, the, the one who stands and preaches is the one who does all the church work, and we just put money in the plate so that he can do all the church work for us, and then we'll come and we'll be encouraged by him, and we'll experience a time in worship, and then we'll go back to the things we're doing. You realize that's not even what this letter teaches. It teaches, I'm here to equip you to do the work of the ministry with me together because what my gifts are are no more important than what yours are. Paul is saying Tychicus is an invaluable teammate. He says what I think is three things about him. What does he say? The beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything in verse number 21. I believe that Paul is identifying and describing this individual as one who is fully involved. Now I'm not sure on his third missionary journey whether Tychicus followed Paul west into Europe. That's where he went out of Ephesus. He went back into Macedonia. He went down into Greece, back up to deliver the, 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 the offering that he'd been collecting that for the, the people in Jerusalem. He was going to take it back to them. I don't know if Tychicus went back to Jerusalem with him or not. But I know that Paul went through a great struggle in Jerusalem and then in Philippi, Caesarea Philippi and then all the way to Rome, which is a long way from Asia. And I find Tychicus there with him often in Paul's latter ministry. That means this gentleman set aside what probably he had been raised to do in order to be fully involved in the gospel ministry that Paul was leading. At the very least, we know that Tychicus was all in. An invaluable teammate. Let me ask you this question. Are you all in today? I'm not primarily asking you if you're all in to this local body. But I am asking you at the very least, are you all in for Christ if the automatic response is, well, of course I'm all in for Christ, then you've got to be all in for the gospel. And if you're all in for the gospel, that is an all-the-time activity. That's not just a Sunday. That's not just a mission trip. That's not just a thing we do on a special occasion. That's being all in for the gospel. And being all in for the gospel means being all in for for each other. You can't just be all in for Christ and come park here and worship it. You got to be all in together because we all need one another because God has built us together, one brick on top of the other, needing one another to function as God has called us. So let me ask you again are you all in? It's not a guilt trip. Because I know if you're not all in, then you're not experiencing everything that God has for you. You're not experiencing the blessings for sure. But you're certainly not experiencing the strength that comes only when we are intentionally pulling the load 
together. You counting on me and me counting on you and us being absolutely confident in the one who has called us all. Iron on iron, sharpening and strengthening, saying hard things to one another just as easily as we say encouraging things to one another. So let me ask you again, are you all in? If you're all in for Christ, then where is that being expressed? If that's here, let me ask you, are you all in here? Tychicus was, he was invaluable. Not only that, he was beloved. Tychicus, the beloved brother. I I don't think Paul was a guy that was bent toward flattery. Like if Tychicus wasn't beloved, I don't think Paul, you read his letters. He just doesn't come across as a guy who would say, you know, that, that sweater just really looks on good on you because he thinks you need a compliment. I, I think Paul would have been the kind of guy that if you'd have said, does this make me look fat? He would have probably said, well, you know, in my opinion, it kind of does. I just, that's just kind of how he comes across just in the way he writes. For Paul to say that this guy was beloved I think he means certainly that he loved him, but I think what he's doing is he's reinforcing something everybody else knew is, we love Tychicus. Everybody loves this guy. You know, he wasn't the kind of guy that folks had to tolerate. You you got some of those in your life? Are you one of those in someone's life? You know, just kind of the kind of person that, you know, we love him. We just don't like to be around him for very long. We love her, but she just is annoying, you know. And so I think that Tychicus was the kind of guy that everybody just loved. So let me ask you this. Would you be described as beloved? I mean, you got bad. Everybody has bad days. Everybody has issues. Everybody has their bents. Everybody has their, their scars and their, and their warts, but... But are you living out the life of Christ in such a way that folks just go, you know, I know he's, I know he likes, he talks a lot, but you know what? I just love that guy. There's, there's a person who, and I won't tell you this, but there's a person in my life who annoys the stew out of me. I mean, it just, our personalities are so opposite. They just annoy me. But then I met another guy that's just like him. But I got to tell you, I just, I love that guy. Now, what's the difference? I love them both. I just have to try really hard for him. But for him, it just, y'all could be brothers. You could have been, you know, split in the womb. You're so much alike. But I'm not, I just, because the, the love of Jesus just comes out of him. It's a sincerity. It's a, it's a genuineness. It's a, it just draws you in. Are, are you the type that everybody just loves because Jesus is, is more visible in you than you are in you? Tychicus was. Yes, I'm sending you tickets. I love that guy. You love that guy. I know you love that. He very well could have been from the area of Ephesus. He was from Asia, so I mean, he was least in the vicinity. You're going to love him. Everybody loves him. Are you fully involved? Is Jesus being worked out in you so much that folks just go, you know, he's, he's got his stuff. You know, she's, she can be a little aggravated, but I just, I don't know, I just love her. I just love her. Are you, are you allowing Jesus 
to make. That's an invaluable teammate. When, when you're just somebody that is fully connected, you're fully involved, and, and I don't know, I just, I just love them because they just draw me in to want to love them even though we're different. It's invaluable. And he says something else about Tychicus, the beloved brother, the faithful minister in the Lord. He was faithful. Tychicus must have been a gospel warrior because I don't see Paul putting up with somebody who was just iffy. I'll go with you, Paul. I'm an adventurous person. I like to go places and do things, and I didn't even like the folks that lived in my house, so I'm with you wherever you go. But, you know, you could tone it down a little bit, and I'm thinking maybe we could take Saturday off. And, you, and I think Paul would have said, no, Tickers, you, you need to go do something else because you're not rolling with me. So for Paul to say he was faithful tells me this guy was a warrior because that's what Paul was, right? I mean, that's he just, I know he was a human being, and he dealt with fear, and he probably wrestled with his own stuff, but... Paul didn't find a fight he didn't like to just step up into for the cause of Christ and smile and wave, I'm here, y'all, let's talk about Jesus. And I just got to believe that Tychicus, the beloved, the one that everybody loved, maybe even more than they loved Paul, I just got to believe for Paul to call him faithful, dude must have been passionate to the bone. And he was a faithful minister. He was trustworthy and reliable. Paul was willing to take papyrus that he had written on. Fragile, delicate, and the only copy he had. And he was willing to put it in Tychicus' hand and go, take this to Ephesus and take this to Colossae and give this one to Philemon. Go. That's, that's trustworthiness. You know, I mean, I got an iPad, and my, my children are all teenagers now. I got an iPad that I still don't let them use. Because I just... Well, I'm just selfish, partly because I don't want to break it. Take it. Go, man. Lead. Trust in him. He was just, he was faithful. You could count on him to go. Paul put it in his hands. Not only that, if you read the end of 2 Timothy, if you read the end of Titus, you learn that not only did Paul put the, the letter to those two men in Tychicus's hands, but he sent them with instructions Take this to them, and in the letter, Paul said to both Timothy and Titus, you come to me. So that tells me that Paul was putting the letter in Tychicus's hand and going, all right, take this to Titus, and then tell him to come see me. You stay there in Crete, and you lead that body. You keep teaching what I've been teaching you. He trusted him enough to go relieve some of the two protégés of Paul himself. Listen, he was fully in. Are you fully in? He was beloved. Are you allowing Jesus to make you just lovely? He was faithful. He could be counted on. Can we count on you? If I'm going to be honest, and, and, and I want to be honest, Throughout my time here at this particular church, at, at different seasons, th there have always been the list of, of like folks when it came to trying to accomplish things, I'd go, oh yeah, we could, yeah, so and so and so and so. But there's, there was always a few that I just go, man, I, I want to, 
I want to give them this responsibility. I really want, because they've got the gifts and they, they've got, I mean, God has equipped them and prepared them, but I've had to go, I'm reluctant because I just can't count on them. I mean, like, I just, I, mean, I want to do it. And I think, I think they want to, but they're not fully like in where I could go, yeah, I trust them. Go, they're going to complete it. But how faithful are you? Listen, we're all broken. None of us are going to bat a thousand. None of us are going to avoid failure. One thing, none of y'all were here, I don't think. Angie, you was here. Miss Carson was here. The first Sunday I came here. Do y'all realize that? The rest of y'all are brand new. Y'all have been here for the last 12 years. Y'all come. Angie was here and Shirley was here. Y'all don't remember this. Maybe you do. The first Sunday I stood somewhere, because it's been rebuilt, somewhere around in here, I said... I can promise you one thing. This is the one thing that I'll, I promise you. I will do this and, and it will absolutely come true. I will let you down. And you know what? Done a pretty good job of that. <laughs> Kept my promise. Let all of you. You know what? Because we do. We let one another down because we're not, we're, we're, we're not living in perfection. Paul goes, I'm not saying these things because I think I've arrived. No, I'm looking forward to the day that I arrive in his presence and all of that stuff that is broken and weak in me is gone because redemption has been fulfilled. But I'm trying to be faithful. I'm trying to be trustworthy. And, and you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not batting at that. But are you, are you faithful? Are you striving for faithfulness? Tychicus was an invaluable teammate. You, you know what we need? You know what we need? We need one another to be fully involved with Christ and whatever body we're going to be a part, we need to be fully involved. You know what we need together? We need to be striving to be called and thought of as beloved. Even with our warts and our, our aggravations, we should be striving to be loved. Not because we need one another's love, but because they need us. And we've been called to be one who loves and and we need to be faithful that's what we need from one another we need faithfulness it's the only way that we're going to be able to stand together in opposition to the enemy and it's the only way we're going to be able to accomplish what God has called us to do and to be amen so from that let's just say let's hold ourselves up and go wonder if Paul would have said that I'm fully involved, beloved, and faithful. Better than that, I wonder if Jesus would describe us as fully involved, beloved, and faithful. Let's strive to that end. But then Paul says something else. He gives them some encouragement in verse 22 through 24. He says that, uh, I want Tychicus to tell you how I'm doing. I've spent the last six, of course, I work chapters, but I've spent the last while telling you about who you are in Christ. If you are in Christ, this is who you are. This is what you've got. This is what you have to rejoice in. And this is now what God's asking of you. He's calling you to live that out. Since you are this in Christ, he's asking you, he's calling you to live it out, and he's giving you everything you need to do to accomplish it. it, it you, there's just a, it's, it's a win-win situation if you'll just engage and put it to work. But I know so many of you are concerned about how things are going with me. 
Because they know Paul is in prison. They know Paul is waiting his turn to talk to Caesar. They know that, that Caesar could say yay or nay, and that could go real south in a hurry for Paul if Caesar's having a bad day or ate some bad lunch. So they're concerned, and Paul's going... But I know, I've told you all this, and that's what I want you to know, but I know in the back of your mind, you want to know how things are going with me. So Tychicus is going to tell you everything you want to know. He's going to answer all your questions about what life is like under house arrest. Am I being treated right? You know, have I been sick? Am I hungry? Or, you know, just He's going to give you all of that information because I know you need it. And I want to be an encouragement to you even though I'm suffering great difficulty. Imagine this. And I saw one of the writers I read behind wrote this sentence. The man in chains is trying to be an encouragement to the folks that aren't. He's trying to to see his situation and present it to them and encourage them in his difficulty because he knows good and well things could get pretty difficult for them moving forward. And he wants them to know that everything he's been saying is not just smoke, it's reality. Tychicus, tell them. You tell them. We've had personal conversations. We've talked at night, and, and you've heard me moan and groan, but then, you know what? We pray, and we get our minds and our hearts back in line. Tell them. What I'm telling them is true because it's working for me. Paul concludes with a blessing of sort, reminding them of all that is theirs, even in difficulty. Paul expresses, I'm praying, I'm hoping that you will experience these things as I am experiencing these things that I've talked about in this last letter that I've written to you, and I want you to know what is yours, and I want you to walk in it, even coming from the personal story of my life and my trouble and my difficulty. He says, verse 23, Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace Be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with a love incorruptible. First, he says, I want to point you to peace. He's going to tell you about everything's going on in my life. And as you're wrestling about all the things that are happening and you're hearing about those things that I'm warning you about, I want you to focus on peace. He mentions it eight times in this letter. Peace is that settled heart and mind regardless of what's going on around us in our circumstances. You know what what God, through Paul, through the letter to Ephesus, is saying to us in this time of great difficulty and worry and uncertainty and frustration and aggravation? He's saying, I don't want you to forget that peace from me is yours. God, I'm just, I'm pulling my hair out. I'm going crazy with worry and fret and God says, that's because you're not tuned into me. If you'll settle your heart and mind on who I am, it can all be burning down around you. And you'll be at peace. Not that you won't be concerned. Not that your humanity will all of a sudden become supernatural. But the supernatural peace that is yours 
will take over if you'll just simply be settled on who he is and what he has promised you. Paul said, I, I hope, even as he's telling you how things are going, I hope that it will cause you to have peace. But not only that, I'm asking that God would give you love. He mentions it 20 times in this letter. I think over 160 times in all of his letters, but 20 times he's written it in Ephesians. What is love? It's that lens through which we are motivated in our dealings with one another. Why? Because God has loved us. We experience the love that comes from God to us, unconditional, open arms, forgiving and sacrificial. And we go, okay, I'm going to put those lenses on. You've heard of folks talk about rose-colored glasses. You put rose-colored glasses on. So the, the, the idea is that I'm seeing rosy things even though everything's bad. Well, that's kind of what the love lenses are. I'm putting it on because I have experienced the love of God. And I'm saying, you know what? I'm going to see you through the lens of love. Because of the love I've been, yeah, but Kevin, you don't know. That one, that, that, that one will bite you. That one will hurt you. That one will laugh after they have hurt you. You know what? They did the same thing to Jesus. You know what he did? He kept on loving them. He kept on, stri- he kept on forgiving. He kept on sacrificing. So, guys, I'm, I want you to hear how it's going with me. I want you to think about all the stuff I've said. And I, and I want God to pour into your heart more and more of his love. Because what can stand against the, the one who all they do is just love you no matter what? You can't stop it. You can laugh at it. You can talk about it. You can slap it. But if they keep loving you, there's nothing you can do about it. They've won. Better stated, he's won. Because we're just loving. I hope, you, I hope God pours peace on you. I hope God gives you love and, and the desire to love as you've been loved. I hope he gives you love with faith. He mentions it ten times in this letter. It's believing and trusting God. Remember the shield of faith? It's believing what God has said. It's believing who God is. You're going to need faith. Because it's going to, you know, peace, you'll have it. But, but i tell you what, things will get hot sometimes. And you'll need that faith shield. You'll need that to keep trusting. I need it. I don't want to be here. I want to be somewhere else. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have faith that God is working all things together for those who love him. I'm just going to keep writing these letters. And maybe some of y'all, maybe you'll get it. And maybe some of y'all will be encouraged. Imagine how many people have read these letters from Paul. Inspired by God himself to know the faith. And to know God more clearly, to know Jesus and who he is. And it's all about Paul just going, I'm just going to have faith that, you know, God's at work. I don't know what he's doing. He's got me here. I'm supposed to be out preaching, but I'm just going to write some letters. Maybe they'll do some good. And didn't they? All according to God's way. Faith. I'm praying God will give you peace, love, faith, and then grace. Twelve times he mentions it. Grace is God's active favor on our life. You know, you, you, you don't have to ask God to deal in his favor with you because he's already done it. In fact, he brought you into the family by grace. You didn't deserve his love. You didn't deserve his mercy. You didn't deserve a second look for him. But what did he do? He brought you in by his grace. And then Ephesians 1 verse number 8 says that that grace has been lavished on you. 
lathered all of You can't get out from under the amount of grace that God wants to pour out on your I want you to walk, people. I want you to walk in peace, knowing that your heart and mind is settled. I want you to walk in love, regardless of how you've been treating. Just keep loving people like Christ loved you. I want you to have faith that what God has said, He's going to bring about. And I want you to know there's grace and God pour out your grace on it because they're going to need it. I need it. But as long as we're here and waiting, your grace is sufficient and it is in abundance. So let's just walk forward. Let's just recognize who we are in Christ. Let's let the Holy Spirit push the life of Christ out in us. Come what may. Amen? Okay. So let's, from time to time, come back to the book of Ephesians. It may be a while before we crack, crack open this part of the New Testament and, and glean from it again. But you know what? It's as, it's as easily ex- as accessible to you any time, day or night. Let's decide that we're going to come back to Ephesians to be reminded of who we are in Christ to remember our call to live Christ's life out. Let's be encouraged by what is ours whenever we need it to accomplish anything and everything that he's called us to do and to be for his glory. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for Ephesians. We thank you for the way that you still speak through these ancient letters because your word is true you're you're speaking truth into humanity regardless of of the regardless of where society is at and how it's advanced or or declined you're speaking truth and we're thankful that it still speaks to us god help us desire to be considered and to be seen as fully involved because we are fully involved with, with, with our, our walk with you, with our, our pursuit of your son, fully involved in whatever local body you've called us to be a part of. God, I pray that you would, you would cause us to want to be beloved, not, not that everybody will like us, but God, that we would want to be considered even with our warts. Just that, you just got to love that guy. You just got to love that lady. You just got to love that kid. I pray that that will be our desire to be to be instruments of love, and certainly that you would see us as faithful. We don't want to pretend. We don't want to put on. We don't, we, we don't want to be hypocritical. We want you to see us as faithful. And then, God, help us to recognize that peace, love, faith, grace, well, they've all been provided. All we got to do is walk in them, trusting you as we wait on the return of your Son, our Savior, the crucified and risen Jesus. God, we confess Him by faith, trusting that you've forgiven us and brought us into your family. I pray for that one who may have not yet, still hasn't yet surrendered their life to Christ. Just surrender to the truth that they need a Savior. They need forgiving God, I pray that you would draw them to yourself today. 
We love you. We trust you. We thank you. We look forward to what's in store. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said. it.